Welcome to the American Soccer Show. Eric Alcantar with Emmett McConnell, and we're here to talk all things soccer in America on this show. We'll talk about some of the games from this first week of MLS, including the thumping that the Houston Dynamo gave Atlanta United. We'll also discuss not one, but two Champions Leagues as we get set for a packed week of midweek soccer. But first, Emmett, how are you this afternoon? Still recovering from a great opening MLS weekend. Hope I'm not alone in this, but this is one of my favorite weekends of the year when the MLS comes back, Premier League's heating up, the Champions League's coming back in Europe and in America. What a time <laughs> to be alive. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed Sunday, even though it, it cost me my sanity, watching Atletico and then Barcelona from like 9 a.m. until basically till I went to sleep whenever the, what was the last game on Fox For on Sunday? It would have been... Oh, the 10.30. LA, yeah, okay, well... That was yeah. The Galaxy-Portland game, right? Yeah, the Galaxy-Portland, there you go. I couldn't think of who they were playing. Yeah, I mean, I watched literally almost straight through. Like, I was doing work, but I was basically watching straight through that whole day. So that it is, is, it is that, nice that to is have it back. dedication. Right it is. There, isn't it? Wow. It's enjoyable. All right, you ready to get started? Yep. All right, well, wait. let's go. Toronto got blown up at home 2-0 by the Columbus crew. Giassi Zardes scores in his Columbus crew debut. Pedro Santos stood out to me personally with his move to the left wing. Do you think Toronto got caught up in the middle of championship hangover and looking ahead to Tigres? I think it's possible. Uh, them alongside Seattle, I think, have a bye next week. So they get some time, extra time to prepare for their Champions League games. That said, it looks like Toronto tried to overhaul their lineup a little bit. They went with a back four, rather normal back five, which took them to two MLS finals in a row. Uh, I don't think you should uh, be sleeping on Columbus this year. It's, you know, the fact that they lost Merrim I thought was going to be big in the beginning. But, uh, like you said, Pedro Santos, he, he came in halfway through last year, and I honestly can't think of a player in MLS who's come in halfway through the season and done well that year. It's always the next year they come back. Uh, just thinking back to the Union past few years, Tranquilo Barnetta came in halfway through uh, the year, I think it was 2015, came back in uh, 2016 and was great for them. Uh, Alejandro Bedoya, the next year, came halfway through 2016 and had a very strong 2017. I, I think it's very difficult to come from a European season where you're just finishing and getting straight into a halfway point in the league. So Santos coming in as a DP for, for Columbus in the wing, he could be a massive player this year. I think so. I was surprised to see him move to the to the left wing. He had played so much and had so much success on the right wing. And, you know, normally I would argue against ever doing that, especially with a player who's already got proven quality like that. But it, it seems to be working really well. They've kind of given themselves a lot of flexibility now because now you know, well, he works in the left and he works on the right. He put in an absolute shift in this game too. So, I mean, this is, I don't think this is going to be a fluke. And they've always had a very strong attack, fluid attack. Last year I think they were the most fun team to watch for me. They went into every game and, and they, were, they were something special. Uh, they lost Merrim, who just every time he gets the ball, you know something's going to happen. But they still have Higuain into the middle. They replace uh, Kamara with Jossi Zardes. I'm not sold on that one, but I also, yeah. you know, Ola was an out-and-out striker. He wasn't, you know, taking people on. He was making runs, getting in the box. That's, that's what he did. It was guys underneath him who were doing the dirty work um, with the ball. So I think this will be another strong year for them. But the big thing I think most people forget about them is... Uh, is you know that midfield? It's with between Archer and Will Trap. That's I think that's really solid. I, they put in good work in this one as well. There's nothing special about Will Trap. I think Archer is a much better player, and he's still got room to grow at 21 years old. Whereas you know Will Trap is getting up <laughs> getting up in age of 25, I say. But 
He's he's kind of a known quantity at this point. You know what you're going to get out of Will Trap. I don't think he's ever going to be a top five in that position, but that's a really serviceable midfield, to I, say the I, least. I'm going to disagree with you there. He He's probably top five center mids right now. What? Can, can you go out and name me five better well, centers? Well, you love Michael me, Bradley, so I'll Michael name that. Bradley is a great His teammate, a great Artur. Center mid. Artur is, uh, is a good player, but I think it's So he's hard. the third best one in this game already. Is he really, though? Because <laughs> what he does is so uh, is so important for that team. Yeah, he does. He sits I, back, I'm not disagreeing. He, he takes it wide. He just lets Archer push forward and take people on and get into the attack and outnumber in the wings and the midfield. Not to mention give Santos that freedom and he's playing right behind him. So it, That could be one of the best midfield duos in the league this year. That could very well be. I mean, I'm trying to think. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Dax McCarty. He might be better of a deeper-lying player like Trap. I think Archer, it's a little unfair to put them together as... They work well together, but they're not the same yeah, player. I suppose we don't know what they would be like if you took them away from each other. Um, Harris Madunian and the Union, you know, he's highly a very uh, good defensive playmaker. He's not as mobile as Trap, who's more willing to run around. Um, if he continues to perform like this, I think it would be tough to not put him in the top five deep-lying playmaker in the league. I suppose that's fair. I, I also want to shout out Jonathan Mensa, who uh, had a good game himself. I think he's quality back there as well for the Columbus crew. They have a, a, one of the better back lines in the league, really. He, he came in kind of weak when he first started with Columbus. He, is he still a DP there? I think he came in at one point as a DP, but um, he was really underwhelming when he first started. And then in the last two years, I, something he figured it out, he settled down or something, but he is, last year he was immense for them too. He's a real presence back there, and he's tough to get past. At least according to this, he is no longer a DP. I think they bought. I think he was. He's been bought down, I believe, because uh, you have Pedro Santos now, uh, Milton Valenzuela, and Federico Higuain. Obviously, Higuain's earning his uh, keep on that team. Yeah, he's been established as a great player for them for years. Um, and I mean, we, we go through that lineup and we, we talk about how good they are. I think it's fair to say that they're going to be a contender for the playoffs this year. Uh, they've been good in recent memory, except for that one down year uh, a couple of years back. Uh, was it uh, in 2016 when they finished down at the Chicago Fire <laughs> in, the, in the bottom of the table? Yeah, they always seem to be around. They always seem to be around. That's the sign of a solid team. And I think something has to be said for uh, the coach, Greg Berhalter. I, I think the kind of work he does with them there is, he, I don't think it's enough recognition. He's, he's made Zach Steffen in goal uh, into one of the, the top prospects in the league. And you just look around around the around the, the team, what he's done with some of these players. I wouldn't be surprised if Zardes becomes a top player. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, it sounds weird. Yeah, but I, we'll see. Maybe not. You know, he goes in the national team. He doesn't perform as well. But I think for Columbus, I think Burhalter is a great coach. I, and you could go around that team and you say, you know, what what are those guys going to be doing in other positions? He had uh, Raitala, I believe, last year at, at playing uh, at wing back a couple times. Now he's over at Montreal. I didn't think he looked great uh, against Vancouver. I mean, he was played out of position, but I, I, I think a lot of it has to go down to Berhalter there. I think it's fair to say that he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, keeping the ship steady, which is one of the things I wanted to talk about here, is, I mean, can they continue to get results with the, the uncertainty sort of surrounding their team now? Every every game, you never know when the announcement might come afterwards that, oh, this is it, the, the official move to Austin is on its way. These guys are professionals. I mean, of course, it's something that's going to be there. It's going to be something they're thinking about. But I, uh, no, I don't think it's going to be a problem for them. If, if they decide they're going to go to Austin, I think they're still going to perform. I think maybe the fans won't come out and support them as much. Maybe they'll do it even more so. It's tough to tell. 
But I think Burhalter's got a good grip on the team. He's got a good set of guys. I'm going to say one of their weakest is probably in the back. They got a little bit of youth in the back. Um, you know, we talked about Mensa being good, but he's always good for one or two bonehead plays every once in a while. We just think, what are you doing? He just pulls someone down who's about to break through. He lets him by. Same thing with Lalas Abubakar. I, I think he's a. They're both strong center backs, but the the, the games they blow this year are probably going to be down to they, silly mistakes throughout the field, things like that. They're going to. I mean, against the Union, they got to keep going back to that. They got two red cards. Guess who got the two red cards against the Union this week? England Revolution. That's what's going to hold teams back like that. It's actually pretty crazy that they're starting left back. It seems for the moment, Milton Valenzuela, their designated player, who they bring in a team clearly not afraid to use designated player money on defenders, which I always applaud because I think that it takes a take. It's bold to it's, spend. It's real bold. It's it's bold because uh, they're not flashy players. Even a fullback who probably does more in today's game than they've ever done before is still not going to be a flashy pickup. And I mean, this guy is 19 years old, younger than me which is blowing my mind as I sit here at the moment. It came from uh, Newell's Old Boys. Produces some good players down there in Argentina. <laughs> Argentina, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a quality signing, I think. And we'll see. But the growing pains, he is 19 years old. He is going up against, you know, grown, grown men on the field. You never know when that could come back to bite you, especially as a fullback where one mistake can easily cause the whole entire defense to collapse. Yeah, and they, again, that's going to be probably their weakest point. But uh, the problem with signing a DP like that is the fans expect something special from them. Fans always expect a DP to be uh, Worth extraordinary. Their salt. Yeah, like Alejandro Bedoya, uh, Michael Bradley, center mids who are top quality players signed as DPs. Pe- people just, you know, they're, they they don't think they're doing enough for the team, but it's it's hard to quantify what people like that do. I guess with wingbacks, there's still assists and stuff, but it's a very difficult position to quantify. Um, I also in in the mind of young DPs as being dangerous. We saw it work with LAFC this weekend. Diego Rossi got his first goal and the, yeah. the team's first goal. But it's a dangerous thing to go about, getting exactly. a, a DP like that, because you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you can sell them for big money. Uh, Atlanta did that. Isn't uh, Barco a DP signing? Yeah, Barco is a DP signing. Uh, he's and hurt, so it's time will tell with him. But I was going to say, that, yeah. that's going to require some patience over there. Absolutely. Speaking of Atlanta... Here's a shocker. Houston Dynamo open up their season with a 4-0 drubbing of Atlanta United. I mean, you know, I'm watching this game on uh, good old Univision Deportes, and, I mean, the goal thing, the announcer yelling goal is always gets you hyped, but, I mean, once you get to the fourth goal, you start to feel bad for people because, I mean, there were like seven minutes of added time in the first half, and you get scored on an absolutely shockingly bad goalkeeping by Brad Guzan on that last goal. I mean, just when you thought nothing else could possibly get worse, your star goalkeeper goes out there and does... I don't know what he's thinking going to get that one. What happened to him? He was such a good player for Aston Villa uh, the, the year age? before they got relegated and after. He's not that old, though, is he? I, I don't mean, know if he's hit 30 yet. He's 33. 33? I mean, I'm not saying, like, at the goalkeeper position, 33 shouldn't be the, like, the dropping-off point, but, I mean, I'm just saying that. But it's been a long time coming for him, and I've backed him up for, up for a long time. But, he, honestly, the more and more it happens, the more I think, what is this guy doing? I mean, when you're playing in Europe, it's easy to defend someone who's playing at the top at the top flight, right? And then he goes out and has those two howlers in the Jamaica game in the Gold Cup. And I'm still backing him up. He says he's a good goalie. This guy's a good goalie. He's absolutely fine for MLS level. I just, uh, it was brutal. I'd be surprised to see him come back into the, the U.S. men's national team. No, I think he can't. I, I think as, as great as he and Tim Howard were for a few years there where it felt like the U.S. could turn to either one and have a solid plan back there, it's, it, that has to end. Somebody else has to step into that role. But going back to Houston-Atlanta, Houston's a tough team to play at. Uh, they had one of the best records last year. I think they were one of the worst teams on the road. And 
Uh, it doesn't completely surprise me that Atlanta struggled to go there and get a result. 4-0 is, you know, a loss of composure, I think, at some point. Um, but Atlanta's defense, it was never their strong point. They were never the, this outstanding defensive team. It was just that their offense could hold them up and bolster the defense by having the ball so much. Um, so still something to work on for them, I think. And I think it's a, it's interesting because the Houston Dynamo did lose their leading goal scorer, Kubo Torres. He went back to Mexico. Uh, a lot of people might have wondered where the goals were going to come from from this team. But do you think that Atlanta may have bought into their own hype a little too much? Maybe. I mean, you can come out and you can surprise people that first year. They don't know what to expect. It's a new set of players playing together. A lot of them new to the league. And the sophomore slump is real. You can look across, you know, any sport or even even outside of sports. The second years are tough. You come in the first year, you, you know, you got some confidence. You, you know, you build it up in that second year. How do you reproduce that? You got to go back and do what you did that first year again. Don't think they'll be the darlings of the league this year. I still think it's going to be LAFC, but I don't. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs by any means. I mean, it, it's going to be tough for any team to make the playoffs in the MLS because it's there's such small disparity. Other than maybe like Toronto yeah. again, they they lost they lost that at, at home. So maybe the disparity is gone completely. When you look at the two teams in the MLS finals, lost uh, lost at home. Yeah, and I mean, here's the other thing. People were starting to talk about before the season began, is parody dead? I mean, we had the two two teams go back to the finals back-to-back years, and yet they both lost on the opening weekend. I think parody's alive and well. At home, that, nonetheless. Too. Yeah, both teams at home. And One team to a team that didn't exist last week. Yeah, they, in they, the don't, record books. In, they don't have a full roster. I, I think that it's uh, give Atlanta time, and I think this all kind of comes down to the whole playing on the road thing being so tough, which is why those two results were so surprising. And that it's so hard to get wins on the road. It's it's hard to go out and get a draw on the road. You gotta you gotta go out and play your best. But to go out and get a win on the road, that's difficult. So I'm gonna give Atlanta the benefit of the doubt. Nagby's new there. Uh, you know, the, the, a lot of those guys are still young, like Gressel and Almirone, having to you know try to do it again. Um, you know, I, give them some time. I mean, I know I think their midfield isn't the best either, and that's gonna hold them back in a league that where midfield becomes increasingly important. But. That they'll be a good team again. We'll see. I will. I will mention one thing. You talked about Houston's home record last season. They only lost one game in the regular season to Colorado of all people. But they only lost one game at home in the league. They drew three. They won the rest of them. And then in the Open Cup, they did lose at home to Sporting KC. And in the playoffs, they did lose their home game against the Sounders. So that's pretty good, if I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, especially for a team not known for its like dynamic atmospheres or anything. Looks yeah. cool on TV though. The orange I, seats. When when you look into it, I think they're one of the. Uh, better teams in that region in terms of attendance. Looking at looking at you, FC Dallas, but <laughs> that's the Frisco. Uh, what do they used to call themselves? The uh, Burn, right? The Frisco Burn before they came in. No, because they had like it used to be like the Fire and the uh, Dallas team would go up against each other in like the Fire Cup or something because it used to be the Dallas Burn. Oh. They changed their name to FC Dallas. Uh, so. Yeah, FC, FC, FC Dallas had a good run. Hope they can keep it up. Hope they get some fans. But Houston yeah. better attended. Again, it's it's not like Orlando or Seattle where those atmospheres are they're, they're jumping. It's t- it can be tough to go there and get a result. Yeah, um, that's true. But somehow it is. It, it's tough, and they do well at home. So I'm surprised you it. didn't give a shout-out to uh, Andrew Wenger, the former Philadelphia Union and former number one overall pick who scored in this game for the Houston Dynamo. Well, remember, he wasn't picked by the Union. I know he wasn't picked by the Union. He was uh, picked by the Impact, I'm just saying. traded for a second-round pick, I believe, and he... 
was terrible for the Eagles. <laughs> <Was> <laughs> he? I don't know. Like, I think he was always kind of touted as being, I mean, other than being a f- number one overall pick, after it didn't take much long for people to realize, oh, he's just going to be an impact player. And then <laughs> he s- settled I down. I see what you did there. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> don't give me too much credit. He, he settled down, it seemed, in Houston the last few years. He's been pretty decent. Uh, but if you remember, uh, Union's known for their open cup runs. Yeah. They lost a sport in Kansas City in, was that 2015? Yeah, the Union fan, you tell me. Went, lost some penalties, 7-6, to six, one missed penalty. Andrew Wanger took one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. <laughs> All you had to do as a keeper, if you, if you guessed that side, it was a 50-50. He shot it so poorly to that side that if the keeper guessed that way, it was going to be a save no matter what. I think you're right on 2015. That and, sounds right. Uh that that one hurt because you look at it he comes in basically just for penalties came in like five minutes earlier and his, one of his only touches of the game was that penalty that is one of the worst things in the world isn't it it's bringing somebody in for the penalty shootout whether it be the goalie or the shooter and they did <laughs> do that for the goalie too if you remember, I don't know if you remember but Andre Blake had a fantastic game and they bring in John McCarthy for the penalty shootout thinking oh he's our penalty guy turns out couldn't make a save <laughs> at a seven not that it's easy but you expect a, a specialist maybe do a little bit, a little bit extra. Yeah, I mean, and in terms of Atlanta, I think one of the the harder things that's going to be to swallow. Yeah, it's going to take time to gel together again. But I'm going to say this now: other than Barco, who may or may not be the the difference maker of the world, we'll have to see. That's their full strength eleven right there. Everybody out there is probably going to be out there in their biggest games. So there's going to have to be some deep soul-searching after that, because, I mean, it's one thing to lose in the first game of the season, and yes, you could talk about Ross, we can talk about a lot of things, but they looked awful defensively. Yeah, and again, I don't think their defense or midfield or anything special. It's those top four who are so dangerous and so terrifying for defenses. Uh, Martino's a good coach. I wait, wait. Let's wait to see what happens when they do at home. If they go at home and they drop 3-1 or something, I think it's time to, it, it, it's time to you know, see the danger coming. But for now... I think we can give him a pass on this one. Okay. Uh, we had the debut of a new team, Los Angeles Football Club. Debuted with a one nothing win in Seattle, who some would argue is the gold standard for expansion franchises because it's not just that their early success that they had. They won multiple U.S. Open Cups before finally getting over the hump in the 2017 or in the 2016 MLS Cup Final. That kind of consistent success is what these teams are shooting for, but then Atlanta kind of changed the game last year by having such a successful first season. But Seattle also probably has one of the best fan bases. Well, Seattle has yeah, a lot going for them in that sense. They get, they're great attended. It's time will tell with Atlanta, but Seattle, absolutely. They came around the same time as, you know, the Philadelphia Union, who aren't exactly the model of, uh, that success? Seattle, of success that Seattle are. Uh, but, yeah, I, it, it's, it's like a, I feel like it's a big brother, little brother thing with the LAFC coming in there and getting that win over Seattle. Yeah, it's it kind of fun to see. Yeah, it was, and I mean that goal that Diego Rossi scored, uh, that was a, that's a pretty incredible shot. He's got the defender right on top of him, and he just lays it into the right corner. Yeah, on the run, uh, great pass on the nutmeg from Vela. He, I think he's gonna be something special this year. I don't think he's gonna get lazy in LA. I think he's bought in. <laughs> they have the, to hope so, because I mean that guy lazy is just brutal. They they bought into the. Uh, he's bought. It seems he's bought into it. He should have had a penalty. Should have drawn a penalty uh, later in the game. He gestures for the VAR, which uh, he might have gotten away with one there, I guess. Yeah, he definitely, that was definitely a penalty. I don't know how VAR didn't reverse that one. I think, here is my opinion after watching it several times, I think it was outside the box. 
Okay, well, fine, but it's still foul. You, no, you can't pull back a VAR outside the box. Can you? No, no, no it's really? got to be for a penalty. It's, or, or that's the kind of thing they're gonna have to come back and explain then, because I, I that's a foul. I don't think they're going to, but it, it's a great that's excuse, a isn't it? They're gonna yeah. deal with that. I, I will agree with you that I thought it was really close, and I thought that maybe you could get away. I didn't realize you couldn't pull it back for the free kick, though. Yeah, I, I believe that's why. Interesting. Uh, I, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. They said clear and obvious errors. That, that's a foul. Like that seems like a clear and obvious one to me. Yeah, but if that was in the middle of the field, it would never get pulled <laughs> back. Never gonna, hey, never gonna hey, be hey, like, hey, hey, you missed a foul back there. It's. Well, I, no, I think there is one exception. I think if it's a red card foul, they which can do it, that. Which it wasn't. It's not. I yeah. mean, I'm just saying. But if somebody went studs up in the middle of the field, I think that's something you could get called back. Yeah, I think he would come back and give it to him. Okay. Uh, so were you surprised to see that then, that front four? of Because we, we had talked about it a little bit, uh, what sort of lineup they might throw out there. They used Diego Rossi on the left wing with Marcos Arreño kind of as a, the forward in the middle, and then Latif Blessing on the right wing, uh, Carlos Vela playing behind Arreño. I, I thought that was an interesting move because Carlos Vela has not spent any significant amount of time playing in that role in his career. He's played as a secondary striker before. He's played on the left and the right wing, but most of his career has been out there on the right. So I, I thought it was kind of bold to put it out there, almost like a like a four-two-four. Yeah, it was. Uh, he's definitely going to be more attacking in that role. I. I probably would have guessed Failhaber be a little bit further forward and maybe Vail would be on the right instead of Blessing. I was going to say, yeah, I don't think you can put Failhaber anywhere near the attacking side of the field if you're going to play Vela behind Arena because, I mean, Vela's not going to offer you anything defensively. And, and Failhaber was, was pretty decent there back there for him. As someone who spends more of his time further up the pitch, he was, he was very strong. He'll be an important player for them. Um, for the most part, Rossi uh, maybe would have thought, oh, maybe he'll play underneath, maybe play on the left. Uh, he's a versatile player who... Uh, who can, who can you know play across that side? Blessing offers some pace in that right, so I can kind of see what he was doing there. He he was okay, nothing special, but I think he did his job. And Urania for me is is such an important player. He he, he does so much dirty work that kind of goes unnoticed at times. If you look at that goal, he makes a great run, not to get the pass, but to open up the space for Rossi, who you know wants to cut in on his right. And it's a great those three worked so well in that goal. Um, Vela on the nutmeg pass, Rossi on the finish, but Urania opening up space, pulling both center backs out of the middle so that Seattle's right back has to track Rossi through the middle and on that shot, like, gotta give it to Urania, man. He, yeah. I've been, I watched him a couple times in Costa Rica, and he never looks like he's gonna be the guy scoring you a bunch of goals. Uh, but he's effective. They, they, they have Vela, they have Rossi, they have Failhaber, they have guys who are gonna get him goals. I mean, Urania might bag nine or so this year, but he's going to be so important for that team and any run they decide that they end up making. I wouldn't be surprised. They do have a designated player spot open, which uh, I forgot about. I, I don't know why I thought they'd filled it already. But I would I would think that this attacking front four is not something that's a long-term solution, at least not in my opinion, because of what we mentioned there. You know, Felhaber and Kai playing behind that front four, that's a lot of responsibility. That's going to put a lot of pressure then on the fullbacks is where Beta Shore is a fine player, uh, Mochino, who looks like he might be the starting left back for a while here, that's a lot of. I think that's a lot to ask of him. We saw Lawrence Simon have a very good game himself. I, I think that that's putting a little too much pressure on your defense. So I wouldn't mind if they perhaps tried to switch it and got another midfielder and used Blessing as then more of a super sub attacking player when you need him because his pace is very useful. He's also only 21 years old, so he is going to develop right alongside Rossi. And I think that was a great roster move as well to bring in two wing players who are barely, uh, not even 22 years old yet, either of them. Yeah, they haven't even really graduated college at this point. Yeah, exactly. They're, 
it's exciting. I don't. Do they need a DP? That's what I'm wondering. They don't need. They don't. Uh, they don't uh, need a DP. I mean, but they, not every team needs a third DP, but they they look strong. I they, would just they say they went that, out and got a win in Seattle. Bravo. I. Yeah, here's the thing: that you can always strengthen parts of your team, right? You can always get a better player here and there, unless you have literally the best player in the world playing there. But LAFC is going to bring in uh, Ronaldo, is what you're saying? Who's not the best player in the world? I'm just saying. Yeah, but uh, according to the award, he is. Uh, that's true. Hard to M- argue with M- that. Moutinho on the left, again, maybe not a long-term solution. He was solid. He, he, looked, he looked pretty good, and then I thought it was a little interesting to see. They did bring on their, their draft pick, Blackman, in for Urania. He offers a lot of pace. I think that's a solid move at the end of a game. He can draw a red card. He can draw. He drew a foul later in the game, and which I thought was very yellow. impressive. And Yeah, that's true. He does get the second yellow, and, I mean, that that's important. That's something that you need a player like that to be able to do, frustrate a defense into committing a, a very silly foul, honestly, by Alfaro in yeah, that situation. You can't do that. Tyler Miller in the goal, too, had himself maybe the game of his career thus far. That was, it was a great performance. Northwestern yeah. graduate Tyler Miller. And former Seattle Sounders player. Yes, yes. It's a revenge game I, from the goalie. I, I was very excited to see that. That was, a one, that was a wonderful game to watch from him. He was fabulous. Goalie. Northwestern guy going against his former team. Really exciting to watch. Honestly, if he keeps playing like that, he might end up, you know, being one of the better goalies in the league this year. I mean, and what I've, a what a coup for LAFC. Right? I mean, well, he, he was a backup. What is a guy like that doing as a backup for a team? Performing like that, that's unbelievable. Listen, I'm not a huge fan of Stefan Fry. I know he's such a, <laughs> so highly touted, but all I see is the one save that he paws away a shot. Not even in the top corner. If you look at it, he's like, a, like, like half a foot off the ground when he makes that save. He's like falling to his left, and it's the one save I see over and over with him. Don't get me wrong, he, he's an MLS starting goalkeeper, right? Yeah. He, he deserves that, he should be that. But he he gets touted as being like a top three, four goalie in the league. I don't see it. I hope, I I think Tyler Miller's going to pass him this this year. This year? Wow. You know, I mean, it, all it takes it's hard is... hard to quantify, but yeah, I mean, that's it, fair. It is very hard to quantify. We had Melia come out with a stand-up performance uh, last year, the year before that. Andre Blake cemented himself as one of the best goalies. Could it be his year? Could be. And it's interesting because, I mean, you talk about who to fill out that last DP spot. I mean, I would think it should be a defensive-minded player. I'm not really sure who would be out there. Because, I mean, Diego Rossi's not, now 20, actually. I believe his birthday just recently came through. Uh, Carlos Vela, who's an attacking-minded player, who you, again, would think will move out to a more natural position as time goes on. Where, What kind of player do you think they should go for? I would, I would guess a center mid. I think you want to, if you do push Vela out, you want to push Failhaber further up the field, maybe play a midfield three. I think you want to bring in a good center mid. And again, we're talking about Bradley and Bedoya, uh, you know, DPs who play in the center are very important to their team but don't get a lot of credit. Might be the kind of guy you want to bring in. It's They're important to the team, and they connect the defense and the, and the forwards. Um, it, that or, uh, do they really need a, f- a defender? Betasher is a seasoned veteran back there. Moutinho is a first overall pick. And we were talking about Wenger earlier, not really cutting it, but you expect your first overall pick to become a starter, I think. I mean, I, I agree with you. and Well, maybe not the starter part. I think you have to be careful when you just start throwing people into roles. Maybe just not because, right away, but... I mean, hey, he started the first game, so I mean, quickly. it's all downhill from here, right? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, there, LAFC was supposedly interested in a Portuguese player, uh, Geraldes, and that would have been interesting because, I mean, that's 
that that's a more attacking-minded player again. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Do they go the Atlanta route and pile on attacker after attacker? He is a midfielder, to be fair, though, so I think that they were thinking perhaps they could mold him into a... Playing a little bit deeper. Yeah, box-to-box role, keeping keeping the shape behind Phil Haber so that Phil Haber, when he does get up the field, has somebody covering. Kind of like a Bedoya. He, he was a winger for Nantes. Up in, uh, up in France. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, Nantes. 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 Yeah, Nantes. I, I think it's interesting. I still remember after Alejandro Bedoya, like, he had his best season for Nantes. And that's after that after that season he came to the, the Union. But there were, like, talks that, oh, there's Premier League teams interested in Bedoya. And I'm like, well, that sounds insane, but okay. Like, I mean, he should absolutely take the challenge. And then the next day it comes out that he's like, oh, he's coming to Philadelphia. And I'm like, well, way to be ambitious. Well, I mean, I don't. You, I doubt the Premier League, went to a Premier League team, it would have been Sunderland, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Premier League team. Well, at the time, but no, uh, I think he was a good move. It was interesting because the person who had... The, not the person, the team who had uh, first rights on him. First That's so ridiculous. Was not discovery rights, by the way. Discovery rights. Or, um, I don't know if it was discovery rights, but it was something along those lines of having first rights to a, a designated player was the Chicago Fire. Yeah, the Fire. And, and they're the continued. union to buy out the ability to buy him. The Chicago Fire are those people that squat on domain names when they think something's going to become popular and so like, the company has to like, buy them out. Even though it's actually illegal. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, to but squat not, on domains. Not, in not the on MLS players. and on players. Would it be fair to say that perhaps with that starting 11 that the Seattle Sounders put out there, no Clint Dempsey, maybe one eye on that Guadalajara game coming up in the midweek in the Champions League? It's, it's possible. I mean, you always had to wonder how much Dempsey has left in him. Uh, I say that every year, but I, I'm going to say it again. They, they got Bruin, who's looking like he's their long-time, going to be the long-term guy up there. Give, they, they, they gave uh, Magnus Wolf Akram, which is a, what a name that is, uh, a, ch- a chance to uh, to get some time and settle in a little bit. Remember, they got a bye next week. Same thing with Toronto. So it's possible that maybe they're a little gassed from the previous week. They have this next one coming up, so they were a little, you know, half one foot in, one foot out. But given that they have, you know, next week off, I'd, I'd be surprised if that was why they really ended up losing that game. I'm going to give more credit to LAFC than that and Columbus. All right, well, we'll have to see. I mean, that certainly we've seen teams in the past decide to give up on the Champions League after before they really get going, including Colorado this year, who decided that they'd rather treat it as a preseason game than a meaningful competition. Well, they did have to go up against uh, Toronto, so some MLS team was going to have to go through on that game at least. That is true. That is true. So I was at the uh, I was at the Chicago Fire game this weekend. Um, Speaking of teams they let that you have go. a bye, uh, they let me in. Uh, actually, kind of surprisingly. Wait, wait, hang on a second, hang on a second. First of all, for those of you that don't know, the Chicago Fire were, they did schedule a preseason friendly to you know fill this time against their USL affiliate, the Tulsa Roughnecks, who, and they were going to live stream this game on their website, and apparently they had technical difficulties with their live stream, and so nobody got to watch it except for the people in the stadium. So Emmett is here to give us the inside scoop. So there were about couple hundred people at the game and they decide we're going to put them all behind the bench section everyone sits there everyone gets a good seat however it was a chilly day it's windy out there in uh sunny bridgeview sunny but windy and the one place in the stadium covered by shade on this cold <laughs> afternoon game was the fan section where all the fans were forced to sit are you telling me the chicago fire don't know anything about location Eh, I, I could be saying that, but I thought it was interesting 
as I'm looking down, uh, seeing all these fans huddled up, except for the supporter section did come out in force with their drums and a trumpet. Got to get that practice round in. And Yeah, they got their practice round in, and they played more music than actually sung. I didn't hear a lot of lyrics, but it was, <laughs> it was still good to see. Uh, the Fire ended up winning 2-1. Goals from Nemanja Nikolic, who else? And uh, newcomer Elliot Collier. Have you heard of this kid yet, Eric? No, I don't. I don't know much about him. He's uh, just graduated from Loyola University of Chicago. Oh, local, local boy. I, actually, he's from Hamilton, New Zealand. Really? So literally the other side of the earth. <laughs> I so, like. The, I like how on <laughs> Google the first results for him. Well, not the first result, but it's like the third news article. Kiwi striker fires for Chicago. That's him, and uh, he, he impressed me. And so we're going to get into this now. Um, him and Baccaro, the first and third round striker picks they had, played. Uh, Collier, just the, the last 30 minutes, and he bagged that goal. Uh, Baccaro did not impress me. I think he got a couple touches on the ball in any meaningful way. He, he did one Maradona around two players, which was very, very exciting, but prompted, promptly lost it right after. Uh, his only other touch, three yards from the goal, it was Alexander Katai, who I'm a little iffy on, rolled a ball across the box, and Vaccaro had maybe a miss of the season as he sent it over the goal. Miss of the season in the first preseason, in the last preseason game? Unbelievably bad. <laughs> and you got to feel for the kid because okay. you know he needs some goals to build up his confidence. Uh, but that, that one was tough to watch. Yeah. And the game as a whole was just very sloppy. I can imagine that must not have been very pretty. And on that weather day, ugh. So two of the goals in the game were assisted by the wrong team. Stefan Cleveland, the uh, current goalkeeper for the fire, it looks like, uh, attempted a five-yard pass to Tony Chani, who has come within just within 24 hours uh, to Chicago. About a five-yard pass and plays it to the striker on the other team, John Perez, who taps it in. Absolute howler. Other than that, Cleveland looked all right. I mean, what do we think about the goalkeeper position? Is he going to be the guy? The only other one uh, in the lineup was Patrick McLean, a trialist. Uh, they do. I mean, they are going to need a third goalkeeper, so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if McLean stuck around. You can't just have – well, you can have two, I guess. But that third goalkeeper position, often very overlooked, but they do a lot of work in training. It's it's a necessary position. If if your starter's a little banged up and you're doing a, you know, a training game, it you need to have two goalies in there. If one's hurt – yeah, exactly. You need to have a backup on the bench. If your starting goalkeeper, even your backup gets hurt, then you need to have one on the bench. You never know what's going to happen. It's true. It's true. Uh, other than that, thoughts. Katai, well, if you on him, shows a lot of technical ability, but he, he looks like he's somewhere else at times. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. His movement's not bad. Um, but I'll be interested to see what he does in his first game. This one was just so sloppy. McCarty misplacing passes all over the place. Um, Schweinsteiger is probably the cleanest player. Katai misplacing passes. Bacaro not really being active at all. Uh, Chani looked afraid to make a pass that wasn't backwards in this game. I'm hoping to see him pick up what he did from uh, Vancouver. Um, it, honestly, I was most impressed with Collier. He was turning, taking people on, dri- driving at the defenders. His goal, another giveaway. I believe it was... Uh, uh, the right back for the Tulsa uh, Roughnecks, who tried to pass back to the goalie, 
which was not a five-yard pass, but he passed it about five yards. And Collier just picked it up and just ran through on goal and tapped it in. Apparently nobody told Tulsa there'd be a game on Saturday either. I think they told them they weren't allowed to win. <laughs> I, mean, I said it before, but I mean, I'm telling you, I have, I really did expect that the Fire to lose that game. I really I, did. I told you, I thought it was gonna be three-one Fire. I was pretty. Close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I say that? You, um, you did mention Richard Sanchez. I would think is gonna end up in the goal. I, the Fire really like Cleveland, and I think that they would prefer if Cleveland wound up taking the spot so they can claim some kind of like homegrown thing with him. But I, Sanchez has more, and by more, I mean barely any more MLS experience. I would think he's got to go, but then at the same time, if you say he wasn't even in this game, I mean, I don't know what that means. Not a good sign, considering it looks like what they lined up with is their starting lineup. Uh, Matt Polster, Which is only right more uh, scary, by the way, when you really consider that they were losing with that lineup out going there. In, yeah, going into the half. Ooh, it was not good. Uh, they might make some changes. We'll see if Baccaro comes out again. Uh, they had uh, Christian Dean as the center back next to Kapiloff. He looked strong. He, he made w- one misstep, um, and uh, midfielder Fernando Arsa for uh, Tulsa almost had a great goal. Honestly, he, imp- he impressed me the most. He wasn't afraid to take on players in the midfield, glided past guys like Dax, like Chani, uh, and was really the, 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 uh, the, what made the Roughnecks tick. I was very impressed by him, and given the affiliation, he did pick a fight with the fire, which might not go over well if he wants to make it with the first team. He's showing that energy. But he showed the energy, showed the, showed the desire. He might have a chance of moving up. He's pretty young still. Uh, I think he's a well, certainly South room American. in the squad, that's for sure. Yeah. I Honestly, he, he's what impressed me the most in that game. Well, we did talk about it last week that the Fire were in desperate need of midfielders, and apparently somebody was listening to this podcast because Tony Chaney was signed. And I, first of all, within 24 hours of the game. Yes. <laughs> so, so I mean, I was I was very happy to see him brought in. You know, he's again, he's not the type of player that's going to turn a lot of heads, but he puts in he put in good work for Vancouver last season, a playoff team. That I, I don't see any major flaws in his game. He's definitely not going to be flashy. He's not going to bag any goals for the Fire. But that's the, they needed a midfielder like that because now you have a true box-to-box guy who can play behind Schweinsteiger, who I'm going to guess is going to play in a more forward role this season because they just don't really have anything else. McCarty will continue to play balls and connect them back to the front. And we'll have to see if it works out because, again, they're one injury away from having the same problem. You know, I'm with you for once. I think it was a good signing. Because <laughs> yeah. Dax, at the end of last year, was a machine, pinging balls around the place. But he had no one next to him to... To, to support him in any way. Uh, I'm just remembering that last game, Juninho and Mihailovic, both very attacking-minded guys would just burst forward and not really ever give him the support he needed. The thing I like about Chani is, uh, and I, I really started enjoying his game last year, was he seems like he's the kind of guy who's just running around and doing dirty work. He's a big, quick guy. He's hard in the tackle. He's got long legs. He's got good reach. But the guy can move. He can pass the ball. He can get forward. He's got good technical ability. I'm excited to see what he can do, because in this game he really did play like that uh, that role of I'm just going to go win the ball back, I'm going to play the ball backwards. He hasn't trained with the team yet. He had one walkthrough before the game. They had a walkthrough of what they're going to look like, and that's it. I think he's going to settle nicely in Chicago and could be a good addition. All right. Well, I'm a McConnell R and Fire Insider. Uh, that given a glowing <laughs> uh, recommendation. CONCACAF Champions League coming up this week, the best competition in all the world. 
Tijuana will host the Red Bulls on Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Toronto hosts the uh, Tigres, the Liga Mackey's champions. So matchup of MLS Cup champions versus Liga Mackey's champions. I think that's fun. Should be fun, but seeing what we got from Toronto <laughs> may not be as good a game. Well, I don't. I can tell you one thing: if they want to defend like that again, the Gignac might have a hat trick before the half. They're so. going to have to come out. They're going to come out guns a blazing. I think the the MLS is trying to establish himself in this competition until they make you know any moves in this and any make any runs. They're not. They're never going to be taken seriously. Yeah. The, the league MX will always overshadow them until they can, you know, make a move. And if Toronto beats Tigres, race, that how do you make for that? That's that's big. That's I mean, big I will MLS. say, I always say that MLS, you know, the dream is always the same thing. Everyone always says, "Oh, we want to be like the big leagues in Europe." Well, okay, but before you get there, you should probably try to be the best team on your own continent or your own your best league on the continent of North America. And they're Which, not. Remind you, there's only three countries in North America. That's not true. Well, there's the other countries in Central, in Central America and the Caribbean. America, but in North America, specifically. There's. The, the, <laughs> are, are you arguing semantics there, with me right now? There's all these semantics you can get into with North America, Central America, and Middle America. But, but between. I am either, staring the whole through right now. Yeah, no. Just so everyone knows. Just we're saying, it's North America being Mexico, United States, Canada. But Canada doesn't even have a league. Well, Not they yet. have a league, but their best a teams professional are, league. Their best teams are all in the MLS. So Canada and the United States, they're, they're going to have to go up against Mexico. And it doesn't really matter what the other countries do. I don't, you know, uh, what, what was it? Um, the Dallas loses. Dallas losing to Taro, to Taro from Panama, to, which Panama is, is, is bad. But th- those are games you look back and you say, yeah, they should have won. But I, I don't think Dallas is going to be great this year. I think it's going to be tough. I think they're going to struggle. I think it's better for them to get knocked out early. Red Bulls, Toronto, Seattle. On the other hand, there's a team with the resources that they should be making runs in this, and they shouldn't be taking it lightly. Yeah, well, we'll go ahead and see. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy, first of all. And also, uh, just so everyone knows where Taro, like, Taro is, has not had the same sort of success that they had. They got them to the Champions League. A lot of teams haven't because of the way this format works. And I'd like to point out, speaking of format, this is not a league. I, I, unless you are going to tell me that the CONCACAF League is just part of this, this is not a league. It's just a, it's a knockout tournament. It's, that's all it is. It's, it's a tournament. Yeah, so no if you remember, they actually they, they used to have just the CONCACAF, like, I, I don't remember what it was called. It had a group it, stage, right? Yeah, so it had a group stage, but I'm talking about before that. Before, they didn't have a group stage. And the U, and a U.S. team, I believe it was D.C. United, of all people, actually won that version of the Quite a historic franchise. Oh, this D.C. United, talk about... Talk about holding the mantle, right? The only on, going down on they had some down times, but like yeah. the Chicago Fire. Well, that new like stadium will hopefully help get some new, get some new. They they could be a decent team this year. I think they're one to look out for. They got Assad, uh, but they they definitely have a, a big. They get, they're in a hole. They dug yeah. themselves a hole. They got a, they got a big hole to get out of. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. That's the point. Uh, Seattle then take on their host in Guadalajara at Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern. So doubleheader on Wednesday. A lot of good action. Excited there. for Champions League this week. Yes, yes, yes. But speaking of Champions League, we talk about we can talk about the actual Champions League now. <laughs> Without Neymar, get the result they need against Real Madrid in Paris. Yes. Yes. You think yes, so? Absolutely. Okay, I th- that's fair. I believe they can too. Yeah. I don't think they will. But you don't I think, think they, they can. will? I don't think so. No. Well, look at Real Madrid this year. People have talked about them being good in the Champions League. I don't think they've been good in the Champions League. They they downed uh, a, 
very underwhelming Borussia Dortmund team. They were outmatched by Tottenham, who is a third-place team uh, in England. If they really want to be the best again, they're going to have to go to PSG and get a result. And listen, this thing is Neymar. PSG is so much more than just Neymar. Uh, It is, I agree. They they took down Barca with Neymar last year. they, they, they well, still have a, they, they still have a great lineup, right? They, yeah, no, they they have. I mean, first of all, I I understand why they probably like oh Lucas. He was probably very unhappy with his role in the team. Although right now, I bet they really would have liked to have him. I I want to say this. There have been a lot of talks about how well now PSG have an out, and you know they're, they're going to use this as an excuse. I will not be giving them any excuses. They will still have Cavani, Mbappe, Di Maria, Draxler, Verratti, and that's just the attacking players. So. If and they had Neymar in that first leg too, so it's not even like you can tell me that he didn't get to play against Real Madrid. No, they went to the Bernabeu and got outplayed in every facet of the game possible. They did. You could argue they maybe were unlucky at the end not to have a second away goal, but that I mean that you pay two hundred and twenty-two million dollars to bring in Neymar, and all of a sudden now, if you don't have Neymar, this is like you can't beat a, a Real Madrid team that is not as good as it's been in the last three, four seasons. Can we just say they've, they've been bad? They've been very bad, they've yes. Bad. By their standards, they have been bad. And so now at home, you have a chance. All I mean, you're right. All you have to do is beat Real Madrid 2-0 at your house to get this result. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not interested in excuses here because this team constantly falls short of their expectations. They have Barcelona on the ropes. I don't even think he had them on the ropes. They had them on the ground they, getting counted. And they, like, just... They pulled an Ober and Martel. <laughs> they did they an over Martel, Martel against the Spoiler Mountain alert. last year. Spoiler alert. Well, you know. For our him. Game of Thrones spoilers. <laughs> no, look. Read I, a book. <laughs> <laughs> nobody reads. Uh, Unai Emery, like, uh, he's he's done. He has to be done. If they, if they can't get this result. I think they'll let him finish the year. Well, they'll let him finish the year. What, what's the point of sacking him? They're going to win. They're going to win the league. I don't think, I think I read some crazy stat. They hadn't lost in the Copa de France in, like, 24 matches. Like, they're going to win that. They're going to win the French League Cup, I would think. Well, so, Which is ridiculous, by the way, the fact that France has a League Cup. Here's why I think they're going through. Well, every league is the League Cup. No, they don't. Most leagues do. No, just France and uh, like uh, France and uh, England are like the two most prominent ones. Portugal has one, but then Spain doesn't. Germany doesn't. Spain absolutely does. Spain does not have a League Copa Cup. Copa del Rey? That's not a League Cup. That's the domestic cup. I'm saying, th- like, so England has an FA and a League Cup, right? France okay. has the Copa de France and the Copa de League. But the Italian Copa Italia. Yeah, okay, so that's the domestic cup. I'm saying most countries don't have two comp- cup competitions. Oh, but you're saying France has two. Yeah, France has two. I agree. I think they can... Read a book. That's not a book. That's, yeah, well, <laughs> fair. I'm sure there's a Touché. book out there somewhere. I'm going to bring it back to what you said about Lucas, though. I don't think they want Lucas in this game. I don't think they would have played Lucas in this game. Really? I mean, Cavani up top. Yeah. Mbappe on the right has been playing. Di Maria. Hey, Di Maria and they have Draxler. Those are two guys who should be playing at just about any team in the world right now. Well, I mean, Julian Draxler, I think, is being... I don't know why he went there. He, he, he's a bit of a head case, I think. Absolutely phenomenal player, technically. Cannot be understated. Di Maria, don't tell me he doesn't want to get a shot against his former club. Yeah, that's true. He's going to go out there, and he's going to... I think he's going to play, and he's going to have the game of his life, and it's going to be... And they're going to go through. They're going to win, like, four. I don't, I don't think so. I, I think that they're going to struggle. I think that there will be excuses made after the fact, and I will be having none of it. I will be hearing their excuses from Real Madrid. Yeah, well, uh, well, I mean, don't worry. I'm sure they'll have plenty of excuses if they lose this game 2-0. Uh, Liverpool and Porto, Man City, Basel, those should be in the bag. I mean, if Liverpool can't hold this against Porto, then I think we're just going to have to agree that Liverpool probably just needs to be disbanded as a club. because At least in Europe. Yeah, would agree. The other one, Tottenham host Juve, aggregate at 2-2. That 
Should be a good one. I think Juve will have to attack. Uh, it'll be interesting to see them because they're the ones that will be obligated to go get the goal. Uh, Tottenham can advance with a 1-1 draw, which I actually think is going to be the result here. I think they will draw 1-1. It'll see Tottenham through. Yeah. It, it, it does favor Tottenham in this one. They're at home. This this is the match to watch in the UEFA Champions League <laughs> this week. We're going to have to see Juventus go and attack. Tottenham, very impressive in Europe this year, finally doing something in Champions League. I've been waiting to see this for a while because they've been a good, they've been a Champions League caliber team, but they've never really impressed anywhere. They've been okay in Europa League. They've had a, a couple, you know, games in the Champions League in like the early 2010s. Where they uh, they won a game or two. Isn't that the, crazy to say that we're getting to the point now where it will be the 2010s decade? Right, and which is a r- ridiculous name for it. But Juve has a chance here. I don't think they've been themselves this year. Uh, I think they just finally went into first place. Yeah, after, their big win this weekend. After uh, Napoli held them off. Going, Lazio's been a good team. So yep. it can't be said that uh, a, that late goal wasn't huge for them against a team like Lazio. Don't, I don't think Juventus has it. I will say this. The team that's been so strong in Europe recently. Juventus has one thing going for them. They've, they've won their last three games. Big win against Torino. You know, that's never an easy game for them. Won nothing. Advanced to the Coppa Italia final by being at Atlanta in the semifinal in the second leg. Won nothing. Another team that's been strong, yeah. especially in the Europa League. Tough Maybe. win against Lazio. Like you mentioned, good team this season. Won nothing. I mean, look, Juve's won three straight games and won nothing. Why not one more? That's all they need. It's all they need, and they honestly, I don't think they're going to set up to attack. Y- you would think that they would trust their attack to get one or two on the counter. Higuain and Dybala are absolutely lethal. I know people like to rag on Higuain for his finishing, <laughs> but the man only is, for Argentina. Only for Argentina, and he's an absolutely deadly for Napoli and Juventus. Dybala, same thing. I don't, I don't think they're going to need to attack. I think they're going to sit back, they're going to make sure they don't give up a goal, and they're going to try to get up that, one, that late goal. But it's going to be huff, tough. They, their defense isn't the same. Yeah. They, they, they've done some work. They got Benatia, you know, he had a good year in Italy, didn't really do well at Bayern. He's back. We'll see if he still has it in him. Chiellini looked he, – he's better next Benucci. I think we can say that's fair. So I don't, I, the problem is I'm not sure Juventus can keep a clean sheet. That's going to be tough. I mean, you know, Harry Kane is very difficult to stop. We've seen Tottenham get goals when they needed to this season. We'll have to see. All right, closing time. Uh, David Astori, we were just talking about Serie A, passed away very suddenly on Sunday. So I, I actually thought it was a nice gesture by Serie A clubs to cancel that, that Sunday's games. And I, a bunch of the captains had gotten together and agreed that even if the league doesn't cancel it, that they would uh, postpone the match themselves. Yeah, the Milan so, Derby was scheduled for Sunday. And uh, Benucci and uh, Rinocchi got together and agreed they wouldn't be playing it. Thoughts with uh, Astori's family. He was a quality player. Yeah, it's a real shame. Yeah. Uh, Barcelona beat Atletico Madrid 1-0, like I mentioned earlier. La Liga is officially over because 11 matches to make 8 points is a pipe dream on Barcelona. Yeah, time for Coutinho to finally get some playing time <laughs> consistently, huh? Ugh, I'm, ugh, that was just, I mean, it's a great goal by Lionel Messi. He has 600 now career goals in all, like, internationally and club. That's I insane. don't understand why people still think they can stop him. I just, don't know. Just, I, it was a dumb foul that led to it. I don't know why you would do it, but whatever. Uh, Chelsea beat, uh, I wish. <laughs> City beat Chelsea 1-0. Um, well, they played. 
It was only one nothing. Take solace in that. I will take some solace in it being only one nothing, but um, yeah. Anything? You think they're out of the Champions League now? No. They're out of the race? Not yet. They're close. They're getting real close. <laughs> I think it's. I'm a little, I mean, they're they're reaching Arsenal levels. Right now, <laughs> Watch right? it. There's no Arsenal losing two one to Brighton is just. I didn't even put it I on mean, here. How do you expect them to keep up with the likes of Pascal Gross and Glenn Murray, top quality players? Honestly, if this were any other club, I don't think Arsene Wenger would even have been thinking of being in this match. Tough to defend him at this point. Yeah. Uh, MLS match of the weekend. What do you think? I've got Houston against Vancouver. I've tried to get away from many uh, obvious picks and the national TV games, which will be on Sundays. But, yeah, I think that this will be a good one. I want to see if Houston can do it again uh, in terms of putting on a, a master class performance like that against a team that is not going to fall asleep on you very often in Vancouver. Vancouver is always going to be a tough team. Uh, they're well coached. They're, they're well organized. Not going to be easy. The, the Burnley of the MLS. If you will. And uh, But they, they do have some attacking qualities in Kai Kamara and... Uh, uh, up there, uh, they had uh, a couple, a couple of good threats. Alfonso Davis. Alfonso Davis, who apparently is not eligible for man of the match because it's sponsored by Budweiser and he's and not he twenty one. Cannot drink. Yeah, that's not that, that funny. Uh, yeah, they'll 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 be exciting to watch. Uh, what about they, you? They won't just be that uh, uh, Burnley. I think for me, I am gonna go for the for the big the big bucks game, the battle of the Garber Bucks, NYCFC and LA Galaxy on Sunday. Game to watch for MLS Soccer Sunday. Saturday, going with Columbus versus Montreal. Uh, my buddy Dan Lovitz had a great assist for Montreal against Vancouver. Almost got a second if Mateo Mancosu could, uh, could stick, get his foot on the ball. Uh, he's looked strong at left back. Other than that, Montreal as a whole, Piatti. They got Safir Tider, who was a decent player in Italy. If you remember last year, they brought in Blarem Giamaili, who was... Not, probably not as good a player as Tider, but with Tider, good addition. Well, maybe. Mancosu's been fine up top. And, of course, we've talked about Columbus. Great attacking team to watch. I think that game will be end-to-end. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of saying, I'm surprised you didn't go with your <laughs> Chicago Fire against Sporting Kansas City this weekend. What do you think? I think it's because I'm really nervous about it, and I have no idea how it's going to go because I tell you, I don't know if I can handle them going back to being bad well, I mean, they have a better lineup than they did when they that's were bad, true. right? You gotta... I would think that they'll play better, but, I mean, that's the kind of thing. This is the home opener, right, which I, I think is a little crazy that they schedule the home opener for the Chicago Fire at this time of year, but I guess somebody has to play at home, right? They have to have one eventually. It's not yeah. going to get that much uh, Sporting Kansas here. City, from what I saw, I, I watched a little bit of the second half between them and NYCFC. Sporting didn't look – they looked all out of sorts. So hopefully they don't figure that out because – For me, this is a good coach. He's going to be solid defensively, you got to think. Gonna be a tough game, given that they've actually had their home or they've had an opener already. Sporting Kansas City, a real first game. Chicago is gonna have to have to adapt. And yeah, the, catch up to speed. the rust is gonna be a big thing for me. I think that uh, I would think that a team, especially like the Fire, who are gonna try to hold possession, are gonna be much more susceptible to giving up an error and pass or two while this game is going on. I'm excited to see what they do. They got they got some talents out there. It's a matter of time to see how they mesh. All right, we'll see. Well, that's all we got, folks. Thanks for listening to American Soccer Show. We'll be back next week for more.